Good morning. It is wonderful to have all of you here this morning. Please join me in the Red Hymnal. We'll sing the doxology together, number 549. Number 549, and we'll sing the doxology together. number 674. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, O world. Sing to the Lord. Give him honor. Preach his salvation each day. Tell to the nations his greatness, to all of the peoples his splendor. The Lord is great. He is worthy of praise. He is more awesome than all other gods. Ascribe to the Lord, O tribes of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord both honor and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring him a gift and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in holy demeanor. Tremble before him, O earth. Say to the nations, the Lord becomes king. He causes the world to endure. He rules his people correctly. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 458. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Number 458, Jesus, keep me near the cross.
to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious God, we are humbly coming before you with the needs and requests that we have in our lives. And Lord, right now you are calling to our minds and hearts the things that you want us to pray for, the small things, the big things. Lord, the things that we are so concerned about, the challenges that we are facing, the anxieties and fears that we have, Lord, we lay them all before you right now. We think of not only just our challenges and our anxieties and our fears, but we think of the needs of others, that they too are facing difficult challenges and fears and anxieties. And Lord, we lift them up to you in prayer as well, because God, you remind us again and again, not only to pray for ourselves, but to pray for others. For in doing so, as we pray to you, we sense your presence, we sense your healing touch for us in our lives. We understand that you are with us through all of these circumstances and that you've never left us, nor have you ever forsaken us. And God, we just call out to you now. We think of the patients throughout this medical center, the family members that will be visiting, the staff that are working here today. Lord, we lift them all up to you in prayer as well. And God, we are so thankful that we have this wonderful opportunity to come and worship you in this chapel, and we do not take this privilege that we have for granted. And God, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Our next hymn is number 409, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story. Number 409.
scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful for this time of worship that we have together. Lord, we are so thankful that We have sung the hymns, read the scriptures, and offered our prayers to you. And Lord, we would just ask that that act of worship would continue in our hearts and minds, that our spirits would find the direction for your will in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Now those of us that live in Arizona, we know that car batteries don't last very long, right? And we know that usually within a period of two to three years, we always need to replace that car battery. And we always can sense when that battery is going, right? Because from time to time as we begin to turn the ignition, there's that hesitation as it turns over. So we know that the battery in our car, in our vehicle, is getting weaker, not stronger. And sometimes we take it to the edge where we just continue to do that until it just won't start for us anymore and we know that the battery has died. In fact, in Arizona, because of the heat, the batteries actually do what? They actually kind of implode and you actually see them swell up on on each side of the battery. Well, this actually happened to me this week. I could tell that the battery was going, but I just thought, well, I'm just going to continue to do this. And sure enough, on one of these wonderful hot days that we had this past week, the battery died. So I called the the auto club, I guess I can say that without making a commercial out of it, right? And they came out to give me a new battery, and the first thing that they did is they wanted to check, they wanted to reconcile the fact that the battery was truly dead. So they put up their little testing device, and they measured it to see how many cranking apps that it had, and the, the person, the, the, service, uh, the service man came and showed me the, the readout to reconcile and to show the differences between what the cranking apps of the battery should be and what it currently was. And so he showed me the cranking apps on my battery, supposed to be 450 cranking apps, and the test that they'd done actually showed it was 155. So clearly there was not enough juice anymore in the battery to turn the engine over. So he had to reconcile that first before he would go and actually put a new battery in the vehicle. And of course he did that, he put a new battery in the vehicle and he had to test it again to make sure the battery was proper, to make sure it was working properly, to make sure that there was nothing else in the car that was draining uh, the voltage 
uh, from the battery and he reconciled the fact that now you have a good battery because it's supposed to be 450 cranky naps and now the test shows it's 550. So he had to reconcile to make sure the facts that everything was working properly on the battery before he would sign off and say that the repair was completed. Now you're wondering where is the chaplain going with this story about cranky amps and batteries? Well the scripture that we have read this morning tells us that you and I have been tested and found to be approved because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. You and I have been tested and found and no longer do we have sin in our lives that comes before God. Because Christ was made sin. And because of that sin, you and I no longer have sin. We have been reconciled. And it's not us that have been tested, but it has been the Son of God that has been tested, who led a perfect life, was tortured and was crucified on a cross, was put to death, was put in the grave, resurrected from that grave, arose from the dead, and then went to be with God in heaven in terms of his ascension. So that reconciliation has already taken place for each and every one of us. And because of that reconciliation, because you and I have been tested and found approved, ready to go, you and I are to bring others to that same reconciliation that you and I have experienced in terms of our relationship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what does reconciliation mean? Reconciliation is where we have forgiveness plus trust. And because you have forgiveness plus trust, then you are able to have reconciliation. That's what takes place in our own interpersonal relationships. That if you want the proper relationship with someone that has wronged you, that has offended you, or if you have wronged someone, if you have offended someone, if you want that relationship to be reestablished, you have to add forgiveness plus trust, and in doing so, only possibly could that relationship be reconciled, be made whole again, be made put back the way that it was meant to be. Now, what is forgiveness? I think a lot of times when we think about forgiveness, we have some misunderstandings of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is only three things. Forgiveness is a canceled debt, that you owe me something, and a perceived right to get even. And that's what forgiveness is. We think of forgiveness being so many other things in terms of the fact that if we forgive somebody, we're approving their wrong conduct and their wrong actions to us. No, that's not what forgiveness is. It is a canceled debt. It's given up the perceived right to get even and then the fact that you owe me something. And if we're able to implement those three things when it comes to the area of forgiveness, and if we're able to add trust to that, then the relationship can be reconciled, then that relationship can be one with us, one with God, one with Christ. And that's the reconciliation that is being talked about here. Because you and I, because of the new relationship we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, the fact that God has given us that forgiveness, the fact that God has given us that trust, He wants us to be reconciled to Him in our relationship with Him. 
And as we see that, God gives us the responsibility to show others that same reconciliation. And we do that within our own individual lives. We do that in our daily conduct. And as we've talked about from week to week, we know that that daily conduct is not going to be perfect. We know that we're not always going to get it right. But we need to keep moving forward and trying to get it right. Because that's what the important part is. And when we are reconciled, we understand that within our own lives that we have a deep appreciation for the love of Christ. The love of Christ within our own lives. The reality of the fact that you and I were separated from God. And when we have that deep appreciation for the love of Christ, we see that change of attitude that God wants us to have towards ourselves, first of all, because we understand that for us to change anything in our lives, we have to examine ourselves. We have to make an accounting of where we are. We have to make an accounting and be tested to find out, if you will, where our cranking apps are. Is it up to the standard that God wants us to have to lead a blessed and fruitful life for Him? Or is it below that standard, less than what is needed, what is required to make it through each day? And as we look at ourselves and as we examine ourselves, for there to have change to take place, we need to come before God just as we are, honestly and openly. And you and I understand that within ourselves, we know ourselves better than anybody else. In fact, I was talking with someone a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to him about the fact that when I go out and run in the morning, that if I run a little later than I normally do, sometimes that heat just takes a lot out of me. And he said to me something really interesting. He goes, Chaplain, when you get that way, just stop and walk. Nobody's going to know. And I said to him, I will know. I will know that I quit. I will know that I stopped. And he kind of shook his head in acknowledgement. Because we do measure ourselves by a higher standard than even others measure us. Because we know ourselves. We know who we are. We know of all of the good things. We know of all of the bad things. We know the good, bad, and ugly of our character and who we are. But for us to truly be reconciled with God, we need to come honestly to ourselves, and it's our attitude that needs to be changed. Before we can either change anything in anybody else's life, we need to change ourselves first. And part of that is understanding the appreciation of the love of God that we have through Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we see that change of attitude. We see that the things that we do in our lives, even though they're imperfect, we know that we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to make it right. We're making the attempt. We're not giving up on ourselves. And no one else might know. They may not care, but that doesn't matter. We know, and we care, because we want to try to get it right for God and for ourselves, because we want to have the best possible relationship that we can have with God. Because when we're making the attempt to do that for our own selves, guess what? We're making the attempt in the other relationships in our lives that are important to us. We're making the attempt. 
And when we understand that and when our attitude begins to change, then we see an increase in our aptitude, our ability to take on some of those challenges, the ability to, the aptitude to take on some of those fears and some of those things that really concern us. Because if we have the right attitude, then that aptitude that we have in our lives to face those challenges becomes stronger, becomes stronger just by the way that we're facing those things. And when we have that attitude that gives us that aptitude, then we see within our own lives we can have a call to action to make things right, to make our lives whole, to live the life that God wants us to live. Because then we are truly making the effort to reconcile ourselves before God. We are truly making the effort to truly be an ambassador for God, an ambassador for Christ, so that others can come to know Him. Because it's something that we want to share. It's something that we don't want to be selfish about. It's something that when we meet and greet each other, when we meet and greet strangers, that they should see the proper attitude about our lives in Christ. Because many of us have been there. Many of us know what it's like to be alienated from God to be far away from God. Many of us know what it's like to be alienated from the personal relationships that we so much cherish in our lives. But yet we made decisions and we made mistakes. But God wants us to be reconciled to all of that. God wants us to be made whole through all of that. It doesn't mean that everything that we want to have whole is going to happen and that every relationship that we want to be reconciled to is going to happen. But we know that one relationship can be reconciled. And that is our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because when we take on that relationship, then all of those other things take the proper priority that they need to have. And then we see within our own lives and accountability for ourselves, accountability in our lives that reminds us that God is there for us through all of those circumstances. And then the things that we do in our lives are motivated by the correct things, not motivated by our own selfish nature, our own selfish desires in terms of what we can get out of the relationship, but motivated by the fact that we truly do love unconditionally. And the only way we can do that is when we think about our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, to be reconciled to that relationship. And then we see that and we meditate upon it. We have that deep appreciation for God's love for us. And then we apply it again and again and again to our lives. Our daily living applied to the fact that you and I have a commitment and a conviction to what we believe in. And then we sense that reconciliation has been made complete in us. And then we truly can be the ambassadors that God wants us to be. We truly see that God has truly forgiven all of our sins. The scriptures remind us this morning that no counting of God's people about the sin against them. The scripture says here that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. So nothing that we have done wrong is being counted against us through Jesus Christ. Because we have been reconciled. We have been made anew. 
And now we are to stand out in a different way, in a new way. And we see the application of the love of Christ because of the application in our daily lives as we go forward, as we are committed and convinced to the fact that you and I have been saved through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then we can be what God wants us to be. That ambassador. That representative of God. Because the only way that a lot of people see God is through us. And I told you that story where someone asked me to speak at their memorial service and they asked me because they said I was the closest thing to God that they knew. And a lot of people think that way. You and I represent God if we claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If we are a disciple of Christ, you and I represent God. And sometimes we don't want that title. Sometimes we don't want that representation because we know that we are imperfect. We know that we fail. We know that we make mistakes. But what more representative could you want? Someone who knows that they are not perfect. Someone who knows that they make mistakes. Someone who knows that they needed to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ to be reconciled to Him. Because God wants us to be reconciled to Him. And when we are reconciled to God each day, we see ourselves for who we are, that honest appearance of ourselves, the imperfection of our lives. But then we see the perfection of Christ that is there with us. It is though we're standing in front of a full-length mirror, looking at it, and we see Christ standing behind us, beside us, reminding us that He loves us just for the way that we are. And we can sense Christ's love in spirit, and in truth, and in righteousness. Because that is our ultimate goal. That as we learn and grow in our reconciliation with God, that we begin to take on the righteousness of God. Not God ourselves, but to become the righteousness of God. To represent God with the living that He wants us to live by. The living to do the right thing. The living to care for others, to face those challenges and to not to be afraid. Because in doing so, we truly are exhibiting who we are in Christ. Being one in Christ. Having that serious commitment in Christ. Knowing that you and I, as we make our daily steps forward, we understand that we are committed to Christ and the things that He represents. That truth that He represents. But we find that truth by understanding that first we have the forgiveness of the cross. We accept that forgiveness of the cross. We trust God that He has given us that forgiveness, that we have been reconciled to Him. And when we put those two elements together, then we sense that fulfillment in spirit and in truth that God has for us in our lives to be one with Him. Amen.
Please take a few moments and prepare your hearts for communion as we think about our relationship with God. Let us pray. God, you have reminded us in spirit and truth this morning that every one of us can be reconciled to you. And Lord, first of all, we ask that you forgive us. Forgive us of the decisions that we have made that have been harmful to ourselves and to others. Forgive us of our sins. And Lord, we ask that you would trust us once again. And God, we know that that trust is going to have errors in it, but Lord, we want you to put our trust in us because we do believe in what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. And God, in doing so, we know that we will will be reconciled to you in all things and that our relationship would be made right and whole. And so, God, we're taking communion together because we want to take that forgiveness and that trust publicly to be reconciled to you. Thank you, God, for this time of communion that we have. In Christ's name, amen.
I received from the Lord, what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Please join me for our closing hymn, number 303, I Serve a Risen Savior. Number 303, I Serve a Risen Savior.
Our gracious God, thank you for reminding us how much you want each and every one of us to be reconciled to you. And Lord, help us to follow that path to reconciliation in our relationship with you, with our loved ones, with our friends. Because it's upon that, God, that we truly represent you as an ambassador of Christ. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.